0: Can be found whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's where we are, Sports Kiki. We are proud to be part of the Outsports and SB Nation podcast network. Uh, We have a very, very good interview for you today. A very topical interview with you today. The WNBA is the latest league to press the pause button and miss the coronavirus pandemic officially announcing the delay of its regular season on Friday. So how serendipitous for us to have WNBA Connecticut Sun head coach Kurt Miller on the show. Now, I cannot give myself too much credit. For the timing of this booking. We had Kurt booked uh, a few days before the WNBA announcement came down on Friday, but still a really great time to get Kurt's uh, almost instantaneous reaction. We spoke very shortly after the news came down, so we get his uh, instantaneous immediate reaction to news that the season is postponed. Uh, How he as a coach is handling this time and communicating with his players. He says over-communication is the key, and much like the NFL, which is proceeding with its draft at the end of the month. WNBA, April 17th, they are going forward with their draft as planned, uh, which is interesting. How do you, as a Kurt, in addition to being the head coach for the Sun, is also the team's general manager. The question is, how do you prepare for a draft when you can't see or talk to players in person? So lots of phone work, lots of videotape work, Kurt says. And then we also, I think, have a really interesting conversation about personal reflection that uh, he and all of us are doing during this time, uh, those of you who have read about Kurt in the past, he came out on our site five years ago, the New York Times did a huge feature story on him in 2018, I highly encourage you read both pieces if you have not already done so, um, but Kurt was a longtime coach in women's college basketball before, joining up with the Sun um, and trying his hand at the pros, uh, he was at Bowling Green in Indiana for many, many years, great success, and he is a very fiery presence on the sideline. You watch clips of him. He's not, not a huge guy, but he's just going insane on the sidelines. And he actually did uh, suffer, a, suffer a stroke in 2012 on the sidelines during a game at Eastern Michigan. Uh, he's had many nights sleeping in his office. And uh, Kurt says that all this time off has led him to recalibrate a little bit. And shift his perspective, he mentions how last year was a really bad year for him in terms of keeping care of himself, he stopped working out, and again, the Sun were incredibly successful on the court, they made it to the WNBA Finals, almost won the whole thing, but uh, Kurt talks about how that was just not a great year for him, personally and health-wise, so uh, I think a really good conversation with Connecticut Sun head coach Kurt Miller, Uh, really fortunate to have him on the show today. Uh, So... Hopefully, he will be in a better mood after hearing that conversation. You should already be in a good mood anyway, because Jared Kushner is here to save all of us from the coronavirus and speak solely in corporate buzzwords, which I think is very encouraging. Uh, they're looking at data. They are data-driven. Just want to let you know. <laughs> it's enough to make your freaking ears bleed. Um, this is beyond parody, but I will say it anyway. Uh, I would like to quote Michelle Goldberg in the New York Times. Yes, this is me co- uh, quoting a New York Times columnist. Again, I said we're beyond parody. Uh, Kushner has succeeded at exactly three things in life, she writes. He was born to the right parents, married well, and learned how to influence his father-in-law. <laughs> Most of his other endeavors, his biggest real estate deal, his foray into newspaper ownership, his attempt to broker a peace deal between the Israelis and Palestinians, yeah, that went really well, uh, have been failures. <laughs> so that succinctly sums it up. Uh, Jared Kushner, ladies and gentlemen, is the new savior, the new man here to save the day. For this disastrous coronavirus response, which it's just you pass a two trillion dollar uh relief package, and the average person only gets what 1200 bucks. And for those who don't have direct deposits set up with the IRS, 20 weeks to get their 1200 bucks. I thought this was a truly tr- two trillion dollar package. Where did the other money go? <laughs> I mean, I, it didn't all go to added unemployment benefits, I'll tell you that. So just uh. Depressing, beyond depressing, Um, but really, you know, one of the big things in sports this week, and this will be the conversation until the games come back, will be, when do they return? When is it appropriate to return? Uh, I certainly understand how tone-deaf it can look for the NFL to go on with its big draft production at the end of this month, but then again, we could all use a distraction during these times, and you can also do the draft work remotely the GMs who are complaining, uh, they can do their work on Zoom like the rest of us. So I don't necessarily think that's such a big issue. But in terms of these leagues actually returning, I mean, the White House, as a best-case scenario, now projects between 100,000 and 200,000 deaths as a result of this. We know that pandemics ebb and flow. Those of us who have been reading about the Spanish flu of 1918 know this. A dip in the summer, a rise again in the fall. I just... I just don't know if sports are going to come back this calendar year. I mean, it's just it's it, it's it's hard to imagine that we will be at a standstill like this. But sports, I think, are going to be one of the last things to come back. At least sports with huge live crowds, as we know them, will be one of the last things to come back. I just it just doesn't seem to be moving in that direction at all, and. You also, of course, find out, you know, Sydney Weiss, who we talked about this with Kurt as well, is a point guard for the Los Angeles is a guard for the Los Angeles Sparks. She became the first WNBA player to test positive for the coronavirus. And that begs the question, and again, I talked about this with Kurt. What happens when these leagues come back and a player tests positive for COVID-19? Then what happens? Do you delay play? Does everyone quarantine for two weeks? Just what how about the fans who are close coaches just broadcasters? I mean it's that is pretty likely that happens if and when these leagues return to play I mean nobody says the virus will be gone we will not be you know this 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 will not be a totally clear situation until we have a vaccine most likely in 12 to 18 months. So assuming we don't put sports on pause all the way until then, what happens when? Player, players, coaches test positive. Broadcasters, people who are in traveling parties with teams. Does everyone go on quarantine? Do the games stop for everybody? Just what? It's so many unanswered questions, and I just think we all understandably want some semblance of our lives back. But I think sports, man, the more I think about it, I think are one of the last, if not the last, things to come back as we know them. Um, wow, how uplifting! <laughs> but if you if you do, I will end this, this segment. On an actual uplifting note, uh, we have a great coming out story on our homepage right now, OutSports. Matt Lynch is a Division I men's basketball coach, uh, was uh, last with UNC Wilmington. Uh, He has decided to come out. He's done a lot of reflection during these times as well and has decided now is the time to come out. We love those stories. So there. We are ending this opening riff on an uplifting note. We always try to do that at OutSports. Matt Lynch, check out the story on the homepage. Coming up next, Kurt Miller of the Connecticut Sun. Uh, definitely, hopefully you enjoy the interview. Uh, my name is Alex Dreamer. As always, listen, download, subscribe, rate, do it all. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. As promised, very excited for our guest guest. Today, a very topical guest as well. Kurt Miller is coach of the Connecticut Sun and WNBA. They went to the championship last year. Also very successful at Indiana Bowling Green. Kurt, welcome to the show. Hope you're staying safe.
1: Staying safe. Great to be here and well wishes. Staying safe uh, to everybody out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. During these times. Want to get your reaction at the top, Kurt. uh, WNBA formally announced Friday They're postponing the season. Uh, Were you expecting this, and what was your reaction when you uh, saw the announcement?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, to credit to our league, um, the top priority remains the health and well-being of everybody, obviously connected with our game, and as well as the general public. So, not not a huge surprise, um, you know, with our training camp scheduled at the end of April, uh, knew that this was probably coming down the pike, but Right now, you know, our vision and, and our focus is on the upcoming WNBA draft on April 17th.
0: Yeah, and what are your thoughts about proceeding with the draft as scheduled?
1: Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I, I just, uh, I think it keeps the focus. It keeps uh, eyes on our league um, as we get back to some type of modified season. Um, It really keeps a focus on our league and the momentum that we've gained. So I'm excited about it. A lot of phone work right now as the general manager and head coach. Uh, um, You know, good old-fashioned phone work right now with all these draftees. Um, But uh, excited about it. It's just right around the corner now.
0: Yeah, and and take me through that process. In addition to being coach for the Sun, you mentioned you're the GM. How does one prepare for a draft when you can't see prospects in person? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I think most WNBA teams like ours did a good job during non-conference play during the collegiate season and into conference play and the great matchups. When you're not attending games in person, you're certainly got your devices out between your iPads and your computers, phones, let alone on cable TV, watching women's games each and every night preparing. Um, We got in the first wave of big, uh, you know, the Power Five conference tournaments. Uh, before the conference tournaments were shut down. So, you know, disappointed uh, that the, the NCAA tournament didn't take place to be able to watch what was uh, you know going to be a great tournament um, in some of those matchups. But like many teams, the Connecticut Sun, we did a really good job out there during the regular season uh, mm-hmm. through conference play of preparing for this draft. The thing that you miss is uh, the combines that are associated with the Final Four that would we would be currently in New Orleans right now. And that's an opportunity sometimes to see more of the mid-major players in person at these combines. While you watch them on TV and you occasionally can get out to mid-major games, you spend a lot of your time at the Power Five games in person. So uh, lost an opportunity to see some of the mid-major players uh, with no Final Four, with no NCAA tournament, but Now, the work is phone work and and talking to them and and researching them through their coaches and through, um, you know, your connections to people. But now getting the players themselves on the phone is a big priority for all 12 teams right now.
0: Yeah. And under normal circumstances, would you be visiting some of your top prospects in person?
1: You know, we're a little bit different than some of the men's professional leagues where what would have happened was setting up some meetings at the final four. So anybody that was attending the final four or some of the players, you don't want to be a distraction to players on the four teams that were left in the final four. But that's where our in-person interviews were happening mostly for our league. It's not a league that we fly people in the market. Uh, but we did meet with players at the Final Four through the years, So we missed that opportunity.
0: What are some uh, of the, uh, you're meeting players in person. What do, you, what do you look to glean from those face-to-face meetings? And do you think that it carries, how much carries over to the phone? I guess, can you glean, do you think that you can glean as much from a phone call as you can if you see a player in person, their facial expressions, uh, et cetera? Just how are you navigating that?
1: Yeah, Alex. I th- I still always think it it's fun to meet with players and right. get a sense for their personality and their body language when you're with them in person than over the phone. But you know, it's a lot of uh, listening and self as they self-evaluate what they bring to the table. You ask them some softball questions, really. You know, throw it up there and toss it up there, easy questions. But then you throw in a few hard questions and let them elaborate and and talk about themselves. And I just I just love to hear what they think. Um, about themselves, but also the league and and how they can impact the team. So I really enjoy our conversations. My conversations are lasting nearly an hour uh, with these players. So it, it it's it's a fun opportunity to get to know them better.
0: Ah, so it doesn't sound like you've had trouble getting them on the phone. That's going to be my next question. You know, these are Gen Zers, coach. I mean, you know, phone call that's like a foreign thing to them.
1: Well, certainly with everyone <laughs>
0: being home and social distancing, easier to get them on
1: the phone. But they're all doing due diligence of home workouts uh most of the time you know we're we're planning the phone calls around their home workouts uh you know it's a very fluid situation and they're all staying very very nimble in their approach because they they're going to be ready when when we get the call for the season
0: yeah and how about the training aspect even with your current players on the sun what contingency plans have you developed with them to stay in shape during this time
1: yeah, they're professionals, Alex. So they're doing a great job doing what they can with what they have at their own individual locations. Uh, with that said, our strength and conditioning coach does a live Instagram workout for them nice. each day if they want to join. Um, you know, A lot of them you know, are on Peloton and anything else to try to stay in shape. It's not quite court shape, uh, but they're really taking care of themselves and they're sending in videos. We don't have certainly as much uh, digital content, social content to post to our fans um, out there. So uh, the players are doing a good job of sending in their own workouts, videos, and uh, we're being able to still put those on social media.
0: The Peloton is good. It's good. I, 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 I have ninety-day free trial, which is very important as well. You can get all those workouts <laughs> uh, for the ninety days. A good, good, good tip. Um, I was going to ask them. Our I mean, players you, were you, complaining you, recently about a, a specific trainer. I'm not.
1: Up <laughs> on it, but, uh, that, that was, that was the recent zoom call where I heard many of them complaining about one specific trainer on the Peloton. Really?
0: Yeah. I will. I don't know if you've done them. I will say the demos can be a little slow for me, the Peloton. I'm like, all right, let, let, let's get to the point. I know how to do a plank here. You know, let's, let's, let's get to the point <laughs> with the demo. But, um, as a coach, I mean, you've been in this since your early twenties, you've been doing this for so long. Um, I, How does one even, I guess it's impossible to prepare for anything like this, but just how as a coach have you been trying to manage the situation as well? And is there any sort of preparation that one can do for something like this? Yeah, I think uh, you can go different directions in this. First and foremost,
1: over-communicating with your staff. We're consistently and constantly in communication with each other. We're checking in with each other. We're doing FaceTime meetings. We're doing Zoom meetings. So continuing to over-communicate with your staff and then, you know, continuing to over-communicate with your players and just keeping them motivated and asking them to be smart and safe at the same time, um, you know, continue to take care of themselves because when we get the go-ahead um, to get the training camp that um, we're not trying to get back in shape as a group. So, um, you know, just over-communication at the same time, a lot of, again, communication of of staying safe staying healthy listening to the experts out there and doing what you're supposed to be doing
0: what are your thoughts on playing games without fans that's obviously been a huge topic the last few weeks uh with the nba it, just generally conceptually what do you what do you think of something like that
1: i think it would certainly be unique um yeah it, it, you know it would kind of almost simulate a glorified pickup game but Uh, these players these professionals are tremendously competitive and it doesn't matter fans there or not uh they would be you know one heck of a matchup these guys are really really competitive and want to win um so it would definitely be a unique environment um you know it'd be interesting the officials um some of the uh colorful language that happens in our game. I, I, it might be heard a little bit easier. So that's what I, that's what I worry about a little bit. But uh, um, it, it would certainly be a lot of fun with a lot of great talent, a lot of competitive athletes.
0: A lot of fun. I you know, good, good think Kevin Carnett doesn't play in the WNBA. or That language issue, I think, would certainly have, uh, have been a problem. Um, I do have to ask about Sparks guard. Sidney Weiss was the first WNBA player to test positive for the coronavirus. Uh, what I thought was interesting was her story, I think, is really kind of emblematic of what a lot of people have gone through. She had two waves of symptoms. She was denied twice at a local Phoenix doctor. So you read about these NBA players seemingly getting tested at will. She, you know, was denied twice before given a test, even though she had symptoms. Just what are your, any message you'd like to send to Sydney? And as a coach in the WNBA too, I mean, that, you know, that I think is the big thing when we talk about getting all of these sports back and ready to go I mean everybody tells us the virus you know ebbs and flows it may you know decrease in the summer come back in the fall and my thing with all these leagues is you know what happens if they're back and a player tests positive in the middle of the season then what I mean and that's just I think the unanswerable question as well with this
1: yeah it's uh it's you know unprecedented times that's for sure and uh there's no there's no playbook right we are all kind of uh, growing through this and, and living through this all together. But, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to Sydney. Our our, our league is only 12 teams, 144 players and coaches. It's a, it's a tremendously tight league. Some of these guys who are rivals in the WNBA are teammates overseas. So our league is very social and very, very close-knit. So our, our thoughts and prayers go out to Sydney for a healthy recovery. The teams in the cities in this league, are all interconnected and so we're always looking out for one another so when it affects one of the players in our league it certainly hits home to all of us
0: yeah and that's actually a good point too about you know you only a 12 team league you mentioned everybody's interconnected how has that played out during uh, during this crisis
1: yeah I think they all stay in touch with each other there's such a close you know knit sorority of players it's it really is uh, something that's special about our league um, And uh, you know, coming from the collegiate game for twenty four years when I got to the pro game, just had no idea of how close these guys are. And and again, it's it's part of um a uh it becomes a part because they play all year round. And in their international leagues, now they're teammates where they were arch enemies in the WNBA. So it's just amazing to watch how tight our league is and how much they care for each other and They really compete on game nights against each other. But as soon as the game ends, uh, our league, they're
0: out together for dinners and
1: drinks. And and it's a very social league with each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and that's, I think, the toughest part of all this. You can stay connected virtually, but your Zoom hangouts, uh, as fun as the backgrounds uh, can be that you choose, do not replace the face-to-face interaction at least. No, we tried a
1: a Taco Tuesday Zoom meeting the other day, and while we had fun and it was good to see everybody's faces, it's still it's still not the same. And we uh, we you know we can't wait to all be back together.
0: Yeah, not quite. And also, you have to each person has to make their own tacos for a Zoom Taco Tuesday. So if you can't cook or struggle to cook, like yours, truly not as fun as someone else making the tacos for you. Um, How are you doing, though, uh, Kurt, during this time? um this i know you've been very busy on recruiting but uh just how, how have you been handling all this
1: yes yeah, staying patient i'm back in my uh indiana off season home with my son who is a senior at indiana university and finishing up online and we'll have a different type of graduation than we all anticipated so you know this has affected so many people in 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 you know very serious ways with all all the sickness and and death around. But even, you know, the the simplest ways of being, having a son getting ready to graduate, and it will definitely look different for him upcoming. But uh, spending time with family in Indiana and, and doing our part, um, haven't walked into a store in well over 11 or 12 days, including a grocery store. Um, and so, you know, just trying, you know, working still morning to night uh, on preparations for what we hope is a great upcoming WNBA season and now preparing aggressively for the upcoming draft, but um, you know, doing our part is social distancing and and uh and staying in as much as we can.
0: Um last week I wrote a column, kind of jokingly but kind of true, saying that uh this pandemic is causing me to reflect a little bit on what I value in life or thought I valued in how I'm, I want to disregard my vanity, or at least some of my vanity. I still need my haircut badly at the end of all this. Uh, you, you know, obviously are such an intense coach on the court. Uh, you've had, you know, you suffered a stroke in a game in 2012. You're very fiery. You've had, you know, many nights sleeping in your office. Just has this pandemic caused you to have some reflection, which I think a lot of us have done, just on, you know, on life and going forward? Or do you, like, I guess, do you think you will be changed coming out of this pandemic, as I think so many of us, you know, will be in some way.
1: Yeah, without question. It's yeah. really
0: affected me. Someone that's
1: um, really been so professionally driven my whole life and missed a lot of, you know, personal events with family and friends throughout the years. I've actually walked away from my phone each and every day. And, and uh, wow, I was in the best shape of my life as I was turning 50, uh, you know, just a little over a year ago, it was a really poor 2019 for me, um, health wise. And I just didn't, I did not take care of myself, uh, stop working out. So it's really jump-started on some of that, uh, again, this time really taking some time for yourself, um, to work out and get some exercise in with what I have available and, and, uh, and a lot of time to reflect that, I've really put work ahead of a lot of things in my lifetime. And, you know, so it, it it's allowed me to really uh, hit the reset button. And I think I have a different perspective when I do get back to the team that, you know, I'm still going to be all competitive and want to win every game. But um, I am very blessed to be one of 12 coaches in the greatest league in the world in women's basketball. And uh, we're going to have some nights where we don't play you know, tremendously well and and maybe have a different perspective after those losses than I have had in the past.
0: Wow. And I mean, you mentioned last year, you've been coaching for a long time. Have you had these kinds of discussions before? With, or is this the first time that you really, you think, sat down and, and had this seeming kind of change in perspective? Of course, still being super competitive, but, you know, maybe, you know, putting things in different perspective yeah
1: this virus has really you know shed a light on it i i I was fortunate after the first wave of conference tournaments to be in Florida for a week uh with my parents and and set them up to be able to stay in for a while and really kind of jump started their uh social distancing in florida and and realized that, like how valuable how blessed I am to have parents in their eighties still with me and yeah. and how fortunate i am and and really valued that week with them. Um, And then, you know, getting back with your son and and being back here in Indiana, it's just, it's really been eye-opening. And and a lot of, as successful as the season as we had last year and went to the finals and was minutes away from a WNBA championship, Uh, it was a really stressful season. And I did not take care of myself health-wise. It was just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next uh, kind of mentality that all of us coaches uh, tend to fall into. And this has really you know, helped me push a reset button that I, I've got to do a better job and, and not just leading, uh, by example, hard work, but also being able to take time to stay healthy and take care of yourself and find that balance that is so necessary. I think I'll be a better coach with better balance.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, five years ago, you came out to us, out sports. Um, what's your, what are your thoughts on that five years, five years later? Yeah,
1: obviously, you know, was out for a long long time in the women's basketball right, community at the, at the collegiate level and the bowling green and, and Indiana, but outside of the small women's basketball bubble across the college landscape, uh really wasn't not out nationally, was not doing any national story. So, um in conjunction with my hiring at with the Connecticut Sun, uh Outsports did an article and, and it really shed light and brought visibility uh, to what I was doing. And, and what I learned is, um, I wasted a lot of years not being a mentor and not being a role model for that next struggling young person that wanted to chase a career in sports, be it a coach, be it a general manager, you know, be it, you know, on the sidelines or covering sports, you know, I just visibility is so important. And I realized that Uh, by just staying in that little old women's basketball bubble that uh, I was, there was not the visibility. One of the things that made it scary for me to be out was I didn't see that male gay male successful coach. And so now I hope that I can be a trailblazer and people see me having success coaching on the sidelines for multiple decades that you can chase a dream as a coach, no matter it be women's sports, men's sports, obviously a great story coming out today uh, from the men's basketball side of the thing. So, um, you know, just, uh, I'm, I'm much more comfortable take part in many more panels still probably, uh, you know, wish I could be even a better advocate for our community. um, But it, it, but it's been a fun five year journey and, and I'm getting more and more opportunities to be that advocate, to be that role model um, all the time.
0: And you're referring to uh, Matt Lynch a Division one men's basketball coach was last at UNC Wilmington this past season coming out uh, on our site Friday um yeah definitely an, a, a sensational story to watch another example I think of you know he said that during this time he said it was time to to come out and be public um yeah what what prompted you five years ago to make the final decision of um, you know, I've been out in my private life for so long, I even have my partner at a press conference with me, but what made you make the jump to say, I, I need to be now publicly out in all aspects of my life?
1: Yeah, I just look back at it and realized, you know, one of the things that was so hard for me was that I didn't see that person. Uh, there were women coaches that were out in the women's game, but no men's coaches, in men's basketball or women's basketball that I knew of. And so I realized why there was such an angst for me and, and such you know, could I advance, could I fulfill some dreams of, at the highest level? And so I knew that there was probably some high school, uh, you know, young man that was struggling with his sexuality and, and, you know, loving sports Wanting to chase a career in sports, but there wasn't that visibility. There wasn't that person or people out there that they could look up to, especially in team sports. And so I just felt like it was the right time. Um, You know, I had had tremendous success at Bowling Green and Indiana before I ventured into the pro game. And and if I fell flat on my face in the pro game, then it it was okay. It was okay. But it just felt like the right time and and out sports gave me that platform and I will always greatly appreciate it.
0: And being part of the uh, WNBA, I'm sure has been a, a special and unique journey as well, since, uh, you know, I think that's, it's by far the most progressive and open uh, pro sports league out there. It is. Um, and you know, just
1: it's tremendous to be a part of it. And, uh, uh, the social platforms that our players, um, get involved with and how, Outspoken of advocates, our league is on so many different topics is, yeah. is uh, truly special. Um, sometimes, my own journey and story, Alex, as I shared with you before, is that sometimes it gets downplayed because of our league being so socially active um, and aggressive that it's downplayed. Well, it's just pro women's basketball. And that's the only thing that frustrates me a little bit is that, you know, still. I want to be a visible person for the next generation. That it doesn't matter what that team sport is—in men's sports, women's uh, sports—that you can do it, and you can do it at a very high level.
0: I I mean that—that is a great point. You know, even me, I can't tell you—you know—how many articles I've written, not just Route Sports, but other places I've worked. um, You know, bemoaning the lack of. We always say open, you know, active, open male professional athletes, but you know that totally ignores the, the all the women in the WNBA from Sue Bird. I mean, go on down the line, just what a what an open league it is, and these are professionals, as you mentioned, who are the best in the world. Uh, Team USA is what like hundred and one, you know, since since ninety six in the Olympics. I mean, and you know, so if we don't, mean sure we may not have those male role models right now, but we have tons of great women who we can look at and learn from.
1: Absolutely. So many great women. And, you know, Rick Welch is a, a great pioneer in the NBA. Right. Um, but you know, sometimes it's frustrating when there's articles written out there that there's, there's, you know, no coach in the, in the NBA right now, there's no major coach in division one men's basketball. And, you know, I just, I just want the young men out there, um, that, you know, struggle with their sexuality and struggle with the with the the thought that they could chase a career in sports. That there are men in team sports, there are men out there being successful and have done it um, at all sorts of different levels.
0: Right, Kurt Miller is the coach for the Connecticut Sun. Uh, very busy preparing for the draft. Kurt, thanks for taking a few minutes. It's uh, much appreciated. Thanks, Alex. Stay safe and. All right, a big thanks again goes out to Kurt Miller, head coach of the Connecticut Sun, for taking the time amidst uh, his busy and unusual uh, draft preparations and joining us on the podcast this week, episode number eight of The Sports Kiki. As I mentioned, we are proud to be part... Of The OutSports Podcast Network always have great shows, including Sid Ziegler's Five Rings to Rule comes out every Monday. Lots of great interviews. The Olympics may be postponed in Tokyo until 2021, but there's still lots to talk about, including athletes' reaction on this postponement. And speaking of which, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the great interview that our uh, managing editor, Don Ennis, conducted this week with... Caitlyn Jenner. Speaking of Olympians, her thoughts on the postponement and how she's dealing with all this. And I think most interesting uh, from that piece are Caitlyn's thoughts on coming out five years later. It was in 2015. I think late spring, early summer 2015, she came out as trans and uh, did the Diane Sawyer interview, the Vanity Fair cover, and the Espies, and it all went from there. And uh, really interesting to get her thoughts on that five years later. Her thoughts on supporting Trump and her regrets for that too. So. Very good Q&A. You can check that out as well. I made it through another week. Hopefully you do something during the weekend to differentiate uh, the weekends from the weekdays. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to (laughs) do. If When I do, I will share that wisdom with you next week. So long. Talk to you then.